All right, next is the scripture reading. Um, Sam will be preaching from Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, uh, Church at Five. Good evening, Church at Five. Awesome. I love evening church. I don't know about you guys. I hope you love it too. It's awesome. Um, What a special time that was now to come into the Lord's presence as a time of worship to really draw close to Him at the end of a day before a a new week begins. Um, I thought that was was special. I was glad to share it in, in fellowship with you guys here. So, uh, welcome. I trust also that you've been enjoying the snow and the sunshine. It wasn't too cold for you guys. It was minus 13 this morning on my way to church, but uh, warmed up to one degree, so almost warm enough for a t-shirt. Well, I just thought, I just wanted to, to say um, it's good to be here uh, this evening, and we're going to take a break tonight from our series, uh, The Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Brandon's unable to make it uh, tonight on short notice, so we're pausing um, our series Having said that, it's interesting, um, I was just praying um, with uh, Elo and Silvana before the service, and I think Silvana said it's just, all of these things happen for a reason, and, and God directs uh, every little thing in our lives, and um, there's no real such thing from a Christian point of view as um, coincidence. And I thought what, um, when um, Antonio read Psalm 23, that really, it's such a good introduction to what we're going to be looking at tonight, which is fasting to see that the Lord Jesus is our good shepherd. And He's our good shepherd when He leads us beside green pastures and still waters, but He's also our good shepherd and He's still there with us when life circumstances suddenly change for the worse and we're overwhelmed by the valley of the shadow of death. And we want to remember yet yet in that circumstance, He's still our good shepherd. And our good shepherd means, and I loved what Sarah said, before the last song. That's exactly what it's about, that we can come to Jesus and receive exactly what we need from Him. And I thought for a moment as we launched into that last song and we're talking about, you know, coming to the table, we're hungry and now we're going to feast, I was like, man, I'm just about to talk about fasting. But then I thought over it again. I was like, that's, that fits exactly because that's what it's all about. Instead of, instead of feasting on earthly sustenance, on earthly food, we're coming to the table of our Good Shepherd and receiving His, his feast, uh, the spiritual things that He has to give to us. So I'm taking those um, as, as the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, Psalm 23, and what Sarah said before that last song, and we're going to talk about fasting um, tonight. So why, why, why talk about fasting? Um, for those of you who look at the calendar and you may know something about the Christian year, uh, Ash Wednesday is three days away. So I actually I'm glad of the opportunity to talk a little bit about fasting, because Ash Wednesday is, of course, the beginning of Lent. Uh, Lent is the time of fasting, and that means that, that 
Yeah, exactly. The, the, the time of fasting is just around the corner. And I want you guys to understand this, that Lent is not an obligation, but it's an invitation. And so I thought a few days before this season kicks off, it would be good to, to look at what our Lord uh, has for us, our Good Shepherd has for us when it comes to fasting. I think when it comes to Lent, I want to say this, that Lent is a special season, time of year, a special season in the life of our church. And I think we should understand it this way, that, that Jesus invites us in this time to, to go deeper in our walk with Him. And that's what we want to focus on this evening, going deeper in our walk with Christ. Not, not just singing or, 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 or singing from the heart that, yes, Lord, we want to come to your table with this hunger, but actually living that out uh, over a course of weeks. Lent wants to increase our, our fervor. Our fervor is a great word, meaning like spiritual, uh, spiritual hunger for prayer and for fasting in preparation for Easter Sunday. But for many years, and certainly for me, uh, Lent is often an afterthought. Uh, it, it can creep up on you, and, and, and you suddenly realize, oh, it's Ash Wednesday this week. I haven't given any thought to it all, or, or maybe Lent is just foreign to you um, as, as, a whole, as a whole season. And, and so oftentimes, we, we end up maybe giving up something because, yeah, everyone's kind of giving up something. It's the thing to do these days. Uh, Lent's kind of come back into fashion the last couple of years. Um, but we end up giving up something, maybe something like Facebook or chocolate or Instagram. And, and then when Easter comes and we realize, spiritually speaking, looking at our walk with Christ, looking at our intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're more or less right back where we started. We haven't experienced that special growth that comes from walking closely with our Lord. So Lent is an opportunity to experience the Christian life in a very unique way. It's, it's different to the rest of the year. We remember what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is a time for feasting. There's a time for everything. There's a time for planting, a time for harvesting. There's a time for feasting. There's a time for fasting. So it's a special time of the year. It's different to the rest of the year. And our goal should be, if we take up this invitation, to enter the Easter season with great joy, but to enter it as men and women who are different, changed from when we started into the Lenten season, changed ultimately by the power of the Holy Spirit applying the grace of God to us. That's what we've been learning, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. This is the work of the Spirit in us to conform us to the image of Christ. And I know I want to grow in my own practice of fasting, and as we'll see today, and, and, and write this down or take this with you, Jesus wants that for all of us. Jesus wants us to grow uh, in our fasting. So the goal of the sermon this evening is really just to encourage us towards a lifestyle of fasting as Jesus' disciples, that it's a natural part of who we are as His disciples. It's a good gift from our Good Shepherd. And just give you a couple of impulses um, before in these three days before Lent. And so I just invite you, take my words tonight, pray over them, Look at your life, maybe, in, in prayer, and think about where do I need to experience change, restoration, uh, renewal, reformation, refreshment, focus? Where do I need more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And maybe begin these next few days to, to think about um, whether or, and how you might spend uh, this Lent this year. And then ask the Holy Spirit for His work in you in this time. Okay, so, I don't know about you guys, but what comes to mind when you think about fasting? 
I know for me, I grew up in a Christian household, and yet for me, fasting was really an alien concept. I hadn't, I'd really had never experienced it. No one had ever talked about it. I'd never seen anyone fast. And I think unless we're part of a fellowship or a community where fasting is practiced, it can often seem, seem that way to us, seem strange. And for others, some of us might have experienced fasting or even Lent as not an invitation and not a good gift from our good shepherd, but as like an obligation, a burden placed upon us, and that's therefore become something difficult to carry and has left a, a, a bad taste in our mouth. But fasting is something that God gives us. We saw that in our text already this evening. God is the giver of all good gifts, and fasting is something Jesus blesses us with. So let's just ask, this is what I just want to do this evening in a very relaxed Sunday evening kind of way. At the end of a week, um, or at the beginning of a new week, ask a few questions of fasting. And I think the first question I want to ask is, why? Why should we fast? And to answer, I want to look at our text in Matthew chapter 6. So, yeah, if you've got your Bibles, uh, open up with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6 and We'll just keep a finger in that page and look at this text this evening. We're in the Sermon on the Mount here, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, one of the sermons of Jesus that Matthew records for us in full, and in fact, it's the longest recorded teaching of our Lord and Saviour Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus comes in this section of, the, of His sermon, as he's standing on or sitting on the mountainside there by the Sea of Galilee, his disciples at his feet, listening, learning from the Master, receiving these good things from their good shepherd. And he comes to speak about uh, fasting here. And he says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They, they disfigure their faces. They make it look like they're suffering so bad to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Any recognition they get from the crowd around them, oh, wow, you must be so spiritual, you're suffering so much in fasting, that's their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. This isn't some kind of, um, you know, religious ritual, this is just do your normal daily routine in terms of facial care. That's translated into modern period. You know, if, you, if, you're, putting your, if you're putting your face cream on, your moisturizer whatever it is you put on your face, just do that as normal so you don't look any different, so you don't look any different, so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen, and your Father who sees what is done, here it is, in secret, will, will reward you. So, it's interesting here that Jesus gives very little detail on what fasting looks like or how to actually physically fast. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus simply says, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast. He, he says, when you fast. So the, so, the question isn't whether or not disciples of Jesus will fast, if you choose, if you, if you choose not to, but it's just a very, this natural expectation of our Master and Lord Jesus Christ is, my disciples will fast. And when you do do this, then this is how to do it. When you do do this, then this is how to do it. In, in the sense of this is the attitude to have, the attitude that should characterize your fasting. And I think that might shock or surprise us. 
that Jesus talks about this so naturally as if this is just something that's just a normal part of life for my disciples. Let me take it a little deeper with you. If you've got your Bible open, then look back with me at uh, Matthew 6 and verse 5, the introduction to one of the most famous passages of the Sermon on the Mount. There we read, Jesus says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And then he tells us a little bit more about praying in private. And then in verse 9, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And come, we, we read the Lord's Prayer. And then, maybe a page before or a couple of verses before, look at verse 2 with me of Matthew chapter 6. There, in beginning this section, Jesus says in verse 2, so to his disciples, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do, but when you give to the needy, verse 3, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So what Jesus is saying here, and this might shock or even surprise some of us, I know it did so for me the first time it really dawned on me, it really clicked for me, is fasting is a normal part of the Christian life. It's a normal part of being a disciple of Jesus. In fact, it's just as normal as prayer. And it's just as normal as almsgiving or giving to those in need. Jesus uses the same introductory words for each of these three, we might call them spiritual disciplines. He's just talking to His disciples about following, following Him, about what it means to follow Jesus. That's His teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, hey guys, when you give to the poor, when you give to those in need, this is how you should do it. And when you pray, this is how you should do it. And when you fast, this is how you should do it. All of these three are just a natural part of what it means to follow Jesus. And in some sense, well, yeah, that's, the, that's maybe the surprising thing for us. I think most of us would be, yeah, prayer, I do that. Giving to those who are in need, maybe a few, few fewer hands would go up. And when, when it comes to fasting, maybe even fewer. But for Jesus, these three things are all gifts from Him, from the Good Shepherd, for our lives as His disciples. So Jesus assumes that just as His disciples will pray, and just as they'll take care of the poor, so also they'll fast. It's that natural. It's that obvious. But He reminds us here that we're to take care that we're Christians when we fast, not Pharisees. And that is, we don't do this for others to see. It's, it's something between us and God. It's an individual spiritual discipline. Just like when we give to those in need, we don't say, hey, everyone, I'm just waving a 50 up here. I'm giving it to this poor guy. Look how spiritual I am. Then we already have our reward. And the same it is with prayer. And so I conclude from this little text in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wants us to fast. And so first and foremost, that should be why we fast. We fast in imitation of Jesus, who we remember fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, Lent uh, is actually 40 days long, that's, a bit, that's kind of the connection there. We imitate our Lord, Jesus Christ, and we do it in obedience to Jesus, because that's what He commands for His disciples. And we do it with a joyful desire to follow after our Lord and Saviour. But we don't just do it in a sense of, okay, Jesus wants us to do it, so we better do it, kind of obedience. But we, we understand this, if Jesus wants us to fast, 
then, and he assumes that we will fast, then fasting must be a good thing, must be good for our souls, good for our lives, good for our discipleship. It's a gift of our good shepherd. So that's why we should fast. Let's ask the question then, uh, what is fasting? What is fasting? Now, as I said, I think Lent has kind of been coming back into fashion the last few years, and certainly it can be well worth, worth it for our, uh, for our mental clarity and even for self-discipline that we fast things like entertainment or media. But if we look at the Bible, uh, fasting is, in fact, going without food, physical food, for a certain period of time. And I think I, wa- I want us to see this evening that it's, imp- we, we, it's important to see the connection between physical hunger and spiritual hunger. And that's kind of what I was getting at when I mentioned the song that we sang that, that Sarah introduced, that, that we're actually coming to feast spiritually because we're not feasting physically. Because we're going without physical sustenance, we're actually opening ourselves up to spiritual sustenance, spiritual food. So, I do, I do want to encourage you, if you do choose to fast, uh, whether that be in Lent now or, or whether that be in the future, if you take up Jesus on His invitation as His disciple, then I would encourage you to, to make it um, a, a going without food. Not that you can't, as I said, go without other things for your mental clarity, for self-discipline, but there's, we want to see that connection between physical hunger and spiritual hunger for Christ. So just briefly, um, I think, looking at the Scriptures, if you know your Scriptures well, we can basically um, categorize fasting in, in two ways, two types. There is external, situational fasting, and there is internal fasting. And what I want to, what I want to lay the focus on tonight and the invitation for you for this coming uh, period of the year is, is internal fasting as a spiritual discipline rather than external situational fasting. But let me explain what I mean. External fasting has to do with the circumstances. We, be, we find ourselves in certain circumstances, often a crisis or a difficult time, and these circumstances externally from outside us lead us to fast. So external, external fasting is directly related to external circumstances, situations outside, outside ourselves that that kind of impact on our lives. And so, one example of this we could call uh, intercessory fasting, that is, adding fasting to prayer for a particular situation to give our prayers that sense of urgency, Lord, hear us, we are in great need. We're pleading with the Lord and showing how important the request is to us. And we're willing to sacrifice and go without to show the Lord, Lord, we need your intervention at this time. So, open up, if you will, with me to Esther, chapter 4, which we looked at here at Church at Five last year, after Easter. Esther, chapter 4, and we'll read verses 12 through 17. Just, to get, just so you are getting familiar with how fasting is spoken about in the Scriptures. And you remember that there's a threat, Esther is a a young Jewish uh, virgin um, of beautiful physical stature, and for that reason, she's chosen to be one of the king's wives, the kings of Persia. 
and her uncle Mordecai hears of the plot against the Jewish people throughout the Persian Empire, and he approaches Esther and says, you've been put in this position as the queen for a reason, and now you need to go before the king and plead for our people. In verse 12 of chapter 4, we read, um, so when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer, don't think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position, hashtag, for such a time as this. Then Esther, everyone loves that verse, they hashtag it all the time. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, and here it is. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, the capital of the Persian Empire, and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do, and when this is done, then I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law, and if I perish, if I die, I die. And so Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So that's an example of external situational fasting. There's a crisis at hand. Another example without uh, turning to that passage would be, if you remember that David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, he then had Bathsheba's husband Uriah sent into the thick of the battle in order that he should die and therefore Bathsheba would be able to marry him. The Lord was displeased with David's behavior and the child that Bathsheba conceived, the Lord said that he would take that child's life. And we remember that David fasted and prayed. It was an external circumstance. Lord, have mercy and spare this child's life. External circumstances, external fasting. But I want to spend, and so I encourage you, if, if you find yourselves in, in difficult circumstances, in the valley of the shadow of death, then, by all means, add fasting to your prayer as a way of seeking the, the urgent intervention of our good Lord. But now to internal fasting. Um, internal fasting is not directly related to our circumstances or what's going on in our lives, but rather what's going on in our hearts, in our spiritual lives and our personal lives. It's related to our walk with Christ, our walk alongside um, our Good Shepherd in life. And this is where I want to encourage you this evening toward a lifestyle of fasting as Jesus' disciple. Circumstances come and go. We go through green pastures. We go through difficult seasons. But our internal relationship with God, our internal heart and spirit, that's something that's always with us until we see Jesus face to face when we stand before Him at the end of our lives. And fasting is a spiritual blessing that God gives us for our blessing, for, for, for our good, for all of our lives. In the same way, again, see the connection in the Sermon on the Mount, in the same way that God gives us prayer, that we should draw near to Him and express our reliance on Him, He gives us fasting, that we should draw near to Him, walk closely with Him, be in His presence. And so what characterizes internal fasting? What, what is internal fasting all about. I think ultimately, 
and I've said this before, Christian life is a, is a battle for our desires. It's not a battle necessarily, for, first and foremost, of our intellect uh, or, our, or our reason. We're ultimately, as we come to know the Lord Jesus, our desires, the hearts, desires of our hearts are being changed more and more that we actually desire Christ. We look at temptation and sin and where in the past we got satisfaction from giving in to that sin and enjoying that sin, we now think, yes, I could get that temporary, fleeting satisfaction from sin, from instant gratification, but the superior desire of being closer to Christ means that I resist temptation. So that's what it is about fighting sin. It's not about so much... um, willing ourselves and whipping ourselves to resist sin. The way we overcome sin is by a stronger desire for fellowship with Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says at the beginning of this sermon, for they shall see God. The desire in our hearts is, I want to see God. I don't want to see Him more than I want to give in to this fleeting sin. So, internal fasting is ultimately about, ultimately about our desire to be nearer to to draw nearer to God. It's, it's about stoking, uh, kindling the fire of, of yearning for God, desiring God, and therefore seeing in God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, excellence, beauty, goodness, above all other things, above all created things, that God is the source of eternal joy and eternal pleasure. We want to ask God to grant us more desire, a greater yearning for Him. And fasting is something that transforms our desires, it transforms our yearnings. It, 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 sees a, it's, it, it, it leads us to seek satisfaction, not in fleeting things of the earth, like a meal, but in the spiritual sustenance that our Lord gives to us. Listen to Psalm, the beginning of Psalm 63 that David wrote. This is, this is David's heart, and David is a man. So I just want, I know for some of you men out there, it's like, ah, you know, this is is the words of David, a man after God's own heart. He says, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power, your glory, I've seen your glory, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. In your hands, I will lift up. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied. Listen to this and think about this and what it means for fasting. I'll be fully satisfied with you, God, as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So we fast, therefore, because we recognize we need God and we desire God. We long for God. And that's why I I come back to this important um, relationship between physical hunger and spiritual hunger. Physical hunger is something that should characterize this kind of internal fasting. And that's why I suggest to you that if you do fast, then, then 
then you need to go without food. That, that would be my suggestion, my, my strong suggestion to you, I, that you would feel that physical hunger. You would feel that gnawing in your stomach. That should characterize internal fasting, and there are reasons for this. There are different ways we can understand this. Here are four that I was thinking about this afternoon. So, if we go without food, we're choosing to be weak. We're choosing to be weak in order to obtain strength from the Lord, from the Lord Jesus. That's the first way we could think about it. Second way. We're wanting to express a hunger for God as greater than and more important than stilling our physical hunger. We want to say, Jesus, my hunger for you is greater than my hunger, my desire to be satisfied with earthly food. That's another way of thinking about it. Here's a third way. We're we're creating in ourselves a lack, a need that we feel that we cannot ignore in order that it should drive us to God. You think about if you're, let's say you're working uh, at home on your, I don't know, term paper, and you're fasting and you feel that hunger mid-morning. Normally, you'd get up and eat something, and then that would be satisfied and you could go back to working on your term paper. When, when, you, when you create that lack, that need, then when you feel that hunger, that's the, that's the reminder, that's like the alarm clock to go to God and to seek satisfaction in Him, to draw close to Him. Or a fourth way to think about it, we're choosing to forego, to go without filling ourselves and satisfying ourselves with physical things, and therefore we're creating space for God to fill us with spiritual things. We're choosing to forego filling ourselves and satisfying ourselves with physical things, and we're creating space to God to fill us with spiritual things. How does fasting change us? Fasting does change us. It's a, it's a discipline, that is something that we do, like praying, by which God's Spirit works in us and transforms us. And I, I, I've experienced this at times in my own life. I wouldn't say that it's a steady... It's more like a stock market, you know, it goes up and down, but on the whole, it's going up. Living a lifestyle of fasting and in humble obedience to Jesus out of a deep desire for Him, not from a place of pressure or performance or pride, is going to lead to a changed heart, a changed mind, changed emotions, changed affections, and changed priorities. Fasting will draw you nearer to God into closer relationship and fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's also a discipline, and by its nature, it spills over into all areas of life. So, I say this, a a Christian who is given grace by the Holy Spirit to fast will often find that they're able to bring all the desires of the flesh under control, under discipline. So, fasting is definitely worth it. It's worth the cost. It comes with the cost. It costs something. And maybe that's why we aren't used, so used to it as, as prayer, because in some sense, I know that's not strictly speaking true, in some sense, prayer doesn't cost us that much. Fasting costs. But we remember here, this is not an obligation, this is an invitation. 
to receive a good gift from our good shepherd. So finally, uh, this evening, how should we fast? Let's say you've, you've heard uh, the texts this evening, Matthew, our Lord speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, David speaking in the Psalms. How should we fast? How, and you're thinking, how, okay, maybe I should take this opportunity that Lent provides as a, as a way of moving forward here and, and moving into this spiritual discipline that, that I've practiced so little. Lent could be a good thing, just as a side note for that, because it, it, it is in imitation of our Lord. Our Lord fasted for 40 days. We fast for 40 days in imitation of Him. It has a fixed start point and end point, so it can be manageable. I mean, it's just generally easy in life if you're trying to, um, t- um, if you're trying to move into a new discipline. And we have, we, we're looking forward. We want to celebrate Easter. We want to celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We want to be full of joy and expectation and anticipation on Easter Sunday. And in some ways, there's no better way to prepare us than going without and going the way of the cross with our Lord for those 40 days before Easter. So how should you prepare or how should you fast? Let me encourage you, firstly, pray. Especially if you've never fasted before, pray. It can be a very simple prayer. Just ask your Father in heaven to give you grace as you fast and give you guidance through His Spirit for your fasting. That's the first thing. Uh, Secondly, test your heart. Test your heart. Ask yourself the question, why why am I doing this? Am I doing this because Sam told me I needed to do this? Um, Or am I doing this out of a desire for Christ because I want to draw closer to Him? And if that's, the, if that's the reason, then you're on the good track and you should proceed. There's, again, it's the same with prayer, even though this is not a sermon about prayer. We don't pray because we have to pray, because if we pray with that attitude, our prayer is, is actually fairly pointless. We pray because we desire to express our trust in Christ. Don't pray because I told you to pray. Pray because you desire to have communion with Christ. The same with fasting, I think you understand. Then uh, choose Choose how you'll fast. Choose how you'll fast. Think about what I said before about fasting. You can choose that, you can, we can choose to be weak in order to obtain strength from the Lord. We're wanting to express a hunger for God as greater than, more important than physical hunger. Or we're creating a lack, a need that we feel that then cannot be ignored and that will drive us to God. Or we're choosing to forgo filling ourselves and satisfying ourselves with physical things and we therefore create space for God to fill us with spiritual things. So choose how you'll fast, and then my encouragement would be, write it down or keep some kind of record. I debated whether to put this in uh, this evening, but I've decided to do so, and I say this with some trepidation, but in some ways, when we say that we'll fast, we're making a vow before the Lord. We're actually indicating to our Lord Jesus some purpose to, withgo, to forego food for some period of time. And you want to keep that vow. You want to be true to that intention. And writing it down will help you to do that. It will help you when maybe when the going gets tough to say, hey, no, I prayed, I asked the Spirit for guidance, and I, just, I made this decision, and I want to draw closer to Christ. And I'm not going to be distracted now by the temptations of food and say, oh, but I didn't really mean it that way. Oh, you know, I, I, said, you know, I said I'd get the evenings off. You know. If you write it down at the start, that will help you stay the course. And as with prayer, it's the same with fasting. We grow into prayer and we grow into fasting. 
And a lot of the, the spiritual nourishment will come only after a time. Again, Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness. And then pray again, ask for spiritual growth. Ask for a desire for Christ. Ask for your fasting not to be empty, but to be filled with spiritual growth. And then, this is probably a very important one. Think about what you will fill yourself with, or what you would like God to fill you with as you fast. This is really important. Uh, Fasting is about going without in order to give yourself to God and, as I said, create space for Him to give to you. I've had this happen in my own life, in my own fasting. You say, yeah, I'm going to fast. And you, you end up going without food maybe, but your life is still so full that there's no opportunity or, what you're, or you just kind of just go through the hunger. And you don't actually take that time when the hunger bites to say, I'm now going to spend time with the Lord. I'm now going to go into a time of prayer. I'm now going to go into a time of hearing, of listening to what God would, would speak, what the whole voice of the Holy Spirit will be putting on my heart for my life. So think about, all right, as I fast, what will I be filling myself with instead? Or what space will I give? How will I practically give that space to God that He can speak to me? So maybe very, very simple. And again, you can be led by the Spirit. He can speak to you. When we're hungry, instead of eating, we pray. So instead of just kind of going on through, we're like, all right, the moment I'm hungry, or, or the usual meal times that I'm going to set those aside, there's times to seek Jesus and pray. Or to connect up with giving to those who are in need. The money that I'd usually spend this month on food, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give to somebody who has no food and who is in need. And you, need to, you, you really want to think and pray about this beforehand, um, otherwise fasting can very quickly become a pointless burden. And finally, just returning to our text here in Matthew chapter 6, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone you're going to fast. That's what Jesus says here. Just do your normal daily routine so that you don't look, I'm fasting, I'm haggard, I'm suffering, man. Don't post on Instagram, hey, everyone, I'm fasting Instagram. (laughs) Don't do that. Just do it. This is between you and the Lord. And just cultivate that intimacy with Him. And, 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 And you're doing it not for other people, not for plaudits, not you don't even actually need the encouragement of others. You're doing it just you and your Lord Jesus. And your Father in heaven will see what you are doing and He will reward you. He will be with you. So don't make a big thing out of it. So let me invite the worship team to come back up and I want to pray. So let me just conclude again and by saying, hey, um, it was a good, I'm glad of the opportunity to, to, say, to share a few words now about fasting in these three or four days before Lent, before Ash Wednesday. I want to invite you guys on Ash Wednesday, there will be a service here at 7 p.m. It will be in English, if you are an English speaker, as well as in German. And that's a time for us to come together as a church and really enter into this time of fasting, focusing on Jesus, following Him on the way of the cross um, together. But whether or not you come along for the ride in Lent or not, um, I just want to say this is, this is a spiritual gift that our Good Shepherd gives us uh, in order to affect our affections, our desires to draw us closer to Him. And we want to receive it gladly from His hand and, and practice it uh, as He's told us.
So let me, let me pray. And I want to finish by, just occurred to me just a few moments before the sermon, with this precious promise from uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11 and 12. This is Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians. I'm going to pray it as our prayer or my prayer for us uh, in terms of fasting, but in terms of, you'll see what I mean in a moment for this next period. Let me pray. So Lord, I, I constantly or we constantly pray for each other that you, our God, may make us worthy of your calling, and that by your power, you might bring to fruition in this next season of this year, our every desire for goodness, and our every deed, including fasting, which is prompted by our faith in you. And we pray this so that your name, Lord Jesus, may be glorified in us, and that we may be glorified in Him. We pray this according to the grace of our God and Your grace, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand.